0: Here we go. go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them.
1: Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Bowie City Church, First Christian Church, and all those who are watching, I'm glad you are spending your Sunday morning with us via Facebook or YouTube. You could be anywhere, you could be watching anything, you could be watching TV or still sleeping, but you're here. So we're excited that you are here with us as we start our new series, as we look forward and look towards Easter. It's my favorite a holiday we get to celebrate uh, as believers. Uh, I'm pumped up for it. I can't wait to get to actual Resurrection Sunday to celebrate Jesus is risen. Uh, but we're doing a series titled "Jesus Is," and we'll explain that more uh, as we get to uh, after worship. We want to make sure that you guys do this: that you take your phones, or if you're on your tablet or if you're on your computer, that you share. You can share out that you are inviting people to church. This is the way. Right now, you can't invite people here. Uh, there are a few of us here to make this service go. Um, but until we're able to meet in person, the way you are to invite people to church is through sharing it through your social media platform. So we encourage you to do that. Just take it. There's a little button at the bottom of the screen. Just hit that little curve arrow and you can share this out to your Facebook uh, feed or YouTube, you can email it to your friends or text messages. We encourage you to do that because they're going to be engaged with what we're talking about this morning, uh, this series. I'm, I'm excited for it. Get your tithes and offerings ready again for the end of the service. Uh, if you want to know how to do that, we'll give instructions how to do that at the end of the service. And you don't give to a church, you give through a church, so you can prepare your hearts and minds for that at the end. But right now, we're going to move our hearts in time of worship. And again, these songs are, I say this every Sunday, these are normal songs, songs you've heard for a year or two. But don't just let it be a familiar song. Actually worship, actually engage, sing it out. Uh, as if we were together, worshiping the Lord about his love for us. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to uh, uh, worship through the video that the church have provided, and we, uh, God bless them, thank them for doing so, and then we'll move right into the sermon. So let's pray. God, we come before you again thanking you for the great God you are, how much you love us, Lord, and it's also opportunity we have as two churches come together to worship you in spirit and truth. The first Christian providing the the building and the resources to do that and us as Bowie City Church coming and, and helping fill in the gaps there, Lord, and leading and preaching and uh, encouragement, God. I just thank you for that opportunity that we continue to love on the families and individuals of these two congregations, Lord, as we are together, Lord. And as we are moving through this pandemic, Lord, we continue to lift up in prayer those who have suffered loss, Lord, those who are, who are feeling some, uh, some stress, God, either relationship-wise, financially, Lord, we, uh, we can go deaf to that as we get this as being normal now. Lord, no, we turn our hearts and minds and we lift those who are suffering the most, Lord, uh, that this will come to an end as we continue to see some light in the tunnel, Lord. We look forward to being together again, Lord. But during this time, let us turn our hearts and minds to you as we worship you in spirit and truth, as we sing about your love that we do not understand but we are so grateful for. Lord, we ask you to meet with us Holy Spirit move this morning. Teach, preach, show, connect with us this morning. That's all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.
2: walked right next to us but we couldn't see him. Can you believe it? He was actually the one that we were looking for and hoping for but we couldn't see him. We thought he came to redeem us from Rome but we were so wrong. He didn't meet our expectations because our expectations were too small. We could not see him because our hurt, because of our pain had blinded us. The doubt, the disappointment, the discouragement was too much for us to bear. But the one walking with us began to help us see. He opened the scriptures and taught us and revealed that he was the one who bought us. We invited the stranger into our home and our hearts began to burn within. He took bread and blessed it. We were blessed because finally we could see the resurrected blessed one. He's the one that rose from the dead. And right in that moment, even though he disappeared from our sight, we could finally see him more clearly.
1: Amen. Amen. God, we thank you for your love, even when it seems reckless to us that you would love us so much. You would come after us. If we were just one that was lost, how awesome is that? As we move into this sermon series, before we do that, it's very important. Uh, This is kind of a selfish plug, not for me, but for us as a church, that if you're on YouTube right now and you have not done it, or you can sign into YouTube and subscribe to the Bowie City Church channel, that would mean a lot for us as a church. It would open up another platform, another avenues for us as a church within YouTube when you reach a certain threshold. And so we're kind of there. We're getting close to that number. So if you haven't subscribed yet to Bowie City Church on YouTube, go ahead, go to YouTube.com, type in Bowie City Church. It'll take you to our, our channel and hit subscribe. And we get enough subscribers or close to it, we're able to do other things within YouTube, which would be great. So do that. That's a shameless plug for us as a church. Okay, commercial's over. We're, uh, we're in a new series entitled Jesus Is... And uh, we're excited for this. And the reason why we chose this this title in this series is because last month we did Where's the Love? And in those sermons, we arrived to the same place, even though we were talking about different parts. If we're talking about the family or talking about the church or talking about marriage or just in general, that Jesus is love. We've, We've come to the same exact place. And so if we're saying Jesus is love and that's where we need to start, we need to talk about who Jesus is. And so... We can't just say, start with Jesus, and you don't know who he is. So this month, as we move towards Easter, as we move towards that Passion Week, as we move towards when Jesus uh, healed Lazarus, and that started the whole uproar, and he entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and then we have Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. As we move towards that, we're going to be talking about who Jesus is, and why this should matter, why should this man even matter to you, and if he does matter to you, how much does he matter to you? So hopefully during the sermon series, you are, you are uh, encouraged, you are challenged, you may learn something you may not have known, but you've come to know Jesus in a deeper way. That is the goal of this series. So we're excited to preach through it, teach through it, as we move towards Easter uh, this morning. So I'm going to tell you a little story. There's a, a lawyer and a doctor and a pastor who all go out hunting. And as they go out hunting, they're hunting deer and a, they're in their t- tree stand, and a deer comes by, this big buck comes by, and so they all pop up same time, shoot the deer, and the <laughs> deer goes down. So they all scurry down out there, off the, the tree stand, and they go to the deer, and they're all examining the deer, and they're trying to figure out who actually did the kill shot, like who actually gets credit for, you know, getting this big buck. And so they're in a heated argument, because they're all saying they did it, no, no, that was my shot, no, that was my shot, and... The game warden overhears this arguing, so he comes over and he asks them, what are you arguing about? And they say, well, we're trying to figure out who actually had the kill shot so we can you know, have bracket rights, who, who actually shot the deer. And so the warden looks down, he looks at the deer, and he's like, it's easy. I know who. And they all look at him like, how do, how, how do you know who shot him? He's like, well, whoever shot him, bullet went in one ear, went out the other ear. It has to be the passer. Uh, because that's, that's, that's the life of a pastor, right? In one ear and out the other. We hope that's not the case this morning, that when you hear a message that it won't go out in one ear and out the other, that you actually take in what's being said this morning. Because as we talk about this, who Jesus is, it's, uh, it's going to resonate with you. I hope that it does. In 2012, there's a cyclist that we all know his name. His name is Lance Armstrong. And in 2012... And he was found to be, have cheated his way to seven victories in the Tour de France. And in this investigation of him cheating, they found that he cheated not once, not twice, not three times, not five times, but seven times. He was found to have been cheating, have cheated his way to all these victories in the Tour de France, in cycling in and racing, racing, bike, bicycling. And in that, what happens is that they, he disgraced himself, he disgraced the sport, they stripped him of his titles, and they banned him for the rest of his life. He can no longer race professionally in the sport of cycling. I think it's ironic or not ironic, I think it's crazy, I think it's awesome that cycling has this high standard of what truth is, and we're going to uphold to that. And they're going to say, You can't cheat. That goes against what we hold to be true as being cyclists. Now, there might find somebody who is a, a relativist, who, you know, who just all everything's all relative. They might their approach to it could be, oh, well, I mean, yes, he broke some rules, but did he actually do something bad? I mean, we want athletes to be at their best. So if they they enhance themselves to be at the best, that's okay, right? And we find that a lot of the world can treat truth in this regard. You can find the world saying that what is true for you is not necessarily true for me. And what is so bad about what I say is true? I want to press this. I have to lean into this, that it's important in life that we have meaning and we have morality. If not, things go left and right and things don't add up. What I'm saying is that the truth actually matters. Truth matters. So here's some questions when it comes to truth. These are questions I pose is, what's more important? What matters the most, the truth or the lie? When I ask that question, we know that there's truth, but there's a lie that comes against the truth. Which one is more important? Which one matters the most? Which one matters the most, knowing the truth or applying the truth? See, truth is not a concept. See, all concepts are based upon the truth. You have modernism, naturalism, postmodern. You have political correctness, the cancel culture, all the, and all the above. All of these are concepts that's based upon some form of the truth. They have taken that truth. They have taken a part of the truth and have these concepts and move in this direction where it's more so like misguided truth. Truth is not a concept. January 4th, 1776, we all know what happened in January 4th, 1776. It's what we celebrate Independence Day. And the authors of the Declaration of Independence, they voiced their independence from tyranny and penned these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are all endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And we say that all these truths are self-evident. But what happens when you make these truths relative And you make these truths disconnected from the source. And the source is from the creator. If you look at that statement, it says, from the creator. When you remove the source, what happens to these truths? Well, they become relative. You end up having things like slavery. You end up having things like genocide of the Native American population. You have the things called the three-fifth acts that happens. You have sexism, children being exploited, racism, and so on and so forth when relative wins when you disconnect ourselves from the source. If there is no truth, then there's no answers. Searching for truth is nothing new. See, the question we, we've asked over thousands of years is, what is truth? It's actually one of the two most important questions I think that's ever asked in the Bible. And I don't know if you're like me and you get nerdy out and nerd about the Bible that you have this ongoing list of questions, best questions in the Bible. No one has ever done that? Just me? Well, I have a list of the best questions ever to be asked in the Bible. I'm not going to give you all of them, but I'll give you some of my favorite questions in the Bible. And I'm not going to tell you where they are in the Bible. See, if they resonate with you. They jog your memory and say, ah, I've heard that question before. But these are some of my favorite questions. One of them is, woman, why are you crying? Man, that's great. I can... All these you can preach a sermon on, like, that's why they're so, like, I mean, I could preach on that. The next one, who told you you were naked? I like that's a very rhetorical question. Uh, who told you you were naked? That's familiar. You know where that is, that question. Uh, here's another one. Woman, why do you involve me? Jason and I, we, we, we chuckle at that question, because uh, if I asked that to my mother, I would have been on the floor. Like, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus said to his mom, he still lived. Anyway, uh, The next question is, what is in your hand? Ah, when God asks Moses, what is in your hand? Man, Moses, what's in your hand is more than enough. That is, that's another great sermon right there. What is in your hand? Jesus asks this question, what do you want? He's asked this to, to Andrew and John. What do you want? When they end up following him, he turns to them and says, what do you want? Jesus asked us, what do you want of me? I think of that movie, The Notebook, you know, when they're in the rain, and he's like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? This is the, the question. Jesus is like, what, what do you want from me? What do you want? Those are just some of my favorite questions, but I have two, top two favorite questions. And the first one, my number there, they can go one or the other. first one is Jesus who asked this to his disciples. He actually asked this to Peter when they're walking to Capernaum. And he asked Jesus, or Jesus asked Peter, Who do you say I am? It is a powerful question. And this is a question that all of us have to be able to answer for yourself. Who do you say Jesus is? And Peter replies, you're the son of the living God. And there's a reason why he says son of the living God. And I won't get into that whole story. But what, who is Jesus to you is a powerful question. But my number one. My number one question is what I learned when I was in Bible college. My first semester at Bible college, we went through this, you know, questions in the Bible and, and, and looking at Jesus, and it comes from John chapter 18. So if you want to look in your Bibles, you can turn there, but this, there's, there's this uh, story, there's this scene I need to set place. So this is right after Jesus has gone into, been, been captured, okay? So Jesus has been put on trial, actually the whole time, the, all the trials, he went through six trials, and all of them were illegal, All of them were like illegitimate, illegitimate. Like you could not, there's no reason for him to be on trial. So he goes on trial. And at this last point of this trial, he is, he's in front of Pilate. Jesus has gone from this place to that place, from this priest's house to this Pharisee's house, to the, to the jail, to the dungeon. He's been beat up. He's been spit on. He's been punched. He's been like, just humiliated, humiliated. And he goes in front of Pilate. And now we're looking into this conversation that he's having in front of Pilate right now, who's the governor, who's run, the running the Roman Empire inside Jerusalem. And so this is the exchange that you see in chapter 18, verse 37 and 38. Jesus is answering this question that Pilate asks him, who is he? And Pilate says, you are a king. And Jesus says, you, I, I'm not, you say I'm a king. Jesus says, this is what he says. Check this out. He says, for this purpose, I was born and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asks this question, what is truth? That question, along with the question of who do you say I am, I think are the most, the heaviest questions. I think they're the questions that we all have to answer. What is truth? Now, Pilate could be asking this rhetorically. Pilate could be asking this facetiously, like, what is truth? I make truth. I make up truth. The Roman Empire, we say what's true. So why are you in that? What, what is true? Who are you, Jesus, to even say that you're here for the truth? But do, if we understand, if we check out, like, the, the, the power of what Jesus said, Jesus says, I will tell you why I've come into this world. Jesus said many other times I've come into this world to serve and not to be served. I came into this world to seek and save the lost. But he's telling the the person who's in the most authoritative power right there in front of him. He says, I'm telling you why I've come into this world. I'll tell you why I was born. I came into this world to bear witness to the truth. Other translation says I've come into this world to testify to the truth. Jesus is here for truth. And we have to answer that question as Pilate says, what is truth? And a lot of us have been in that place where we're saying, God, what is true? Or what is true? I've learned these things along the way from different people, from my family, from my parents, from work, from school, from experiences. What is true? And I've gone through that journey myself. What is true? I started off with my parents, you know, my parents would say things, my grandparents would say things like, you sit too close to the TV, you're going to go blind. I'm like, oh, really? And now we sit in front of the TV all the time. We put a screen like this far from our face. It's like, I'm not blind yet. Maybe he will go blind. But my parents used to say that. My grandparents said, say, that. back up, boy, you're sitting too close to TV, you go blind. I'm like, oh, oh, cool. let me back up then. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't think it's true. I'm not blind yet. Or another question or another truth statement like I had to figure out for myself, my parents, and my grandparents and teachers, they would say, if you keep doing that with your eyes, they're going to get stuck that way. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, cross eye my eyes or like just flip out. No, you flip my eyelids. Some people are getting the willies right now. You flip your eyelids like inside out and you're like, Ooh, like I should do that. And they're like, stop it, boy. Your eyes will get stuck that way. I'm like, no, don't get, there. stop it. They're like, wait a minute. That's not, that's not true. Oh, well, maybe it is. Maybe somebody's eyes got stuck that way. But things like that are kind of like, you know, comical as you're trying to figure out as a, as a kid what is true to more serious questions as you get older and where you may find yourself right now in your own faith asking questions like is the bible true my parents said it's true my family says it's true the church says it's true christians believe it's true but is it like do i believe it's true or is christianity true Is like is it the truth you have to come to that Answer that for yourself. Or how about inside the Bible? Did Noah's ark, like the story, the way it's laid out, did that really happen? Like, where's this big boat? And where's this, like, gigantic flood? And, like, two animals just showed up. Like, they didn't, like, where do you get two elephants from and you're in the middle of nowhere? Like, they just showed up, like, oh, elephants, they're here. Like, is that true? Did Jonah really get swallowed by a whale? Like, really? Or a big fish? Or was there a ship called Whale? And they threw him in the bottom of it, and he was in that for three days. That makes more sense. Maybe that's what happened. And on and on and on. We have to ask what is true, especially when it comes to the Bible and Christianity. But in reality, this is what I do know. We need biblical truth more today than ever. We need it. Like, we, it is desperately needed more than ever. See, we worship a God of truth, whose words are true, whose promises are true. This is important for us because if the objective of truth is morality and it does exist, then what we say and what we do and what we believe and how we live and how that, that implications of that means we must know how to live according to these truths rather than pretending that the ones we don't like don't exist. I know I said a lot right there, but I'll just say it again. If what we're saying is true, if we are saying what is in this book and what we're holding this to be true and we're living according to it and walking according to it and and talking according to it and doing everything according to it, then we have to live that out in every aspect of it and not pretend that the parts of it that we don't like don't exist. It's either all true or it's not. Either you're going to live according to it or don't. This is what Jesus says. Either you're going to be hot for it or be cold for it. If you're lukewarm, you might as well not be either. What, what good is it? What good is lukewarm anything? We don't really like, we want one or the other. Either it's going to be true or it's not going to be true. And that is what you have to answer. Because a poll, I read this poll that was taken by Barnard. There's a group that they do statistics, especially in the Christian world. And this poll says that three out of four, 72%, almost three out of four adults, american adults said that this statement was true that there's no such thing as absolute truth that two people can find define truth totally conflicting ways and both be correct that's like what that is just like 3 out of 4 people say yes two people can define truth two different ways and both be right then that's not True. That's more opinion. It's not. It's not a fact. If one plus one is two, one plus one can't equal zero and both be right. It just just can't. But three out of four Americans say, yeah, you can totally disagree and both be right. And both be true. See, truth is not a philosophical game that intellectuals get to play. Truth is not a game where you get to try to outwit or outlast or outplay God. It is not a game to be played. For Christians, it is the highest pursuit because our faith is rooted in knowing the truth. If we don't know the truth, then our faith is worth nothing. It is rubbish. It is counterfeit. So it's all rooted. Our belief, our faith is rooted in truth. It is the highest thing of what we have in the Christian walk, in the Christian faith. So when myself or a teacher or your parents or a friend or whoever comes to you and they say they're bringing truth. And if it goes against what God's word is, then it cannot be true. If you call yourself a Christian, you want to live according to his word. See, for at first sight, see the Christian view to the world seems obscene. It seems offensive. It seems arrogant. It seems intolerant, divisive and judgmental. And you know what? It is. It is to the world. Christianity is obscene to the world. Christianity is offensive to the world. The gospel is arrogant to the world. The gospel is intolerant. You think God's going to tolerate your sin? No, he's not going to tolerate it. You say it's divisive. It is divisive. It will pin mother against son. It will pin husband against wife. It will pin friend against friend because of, I go one way and you go in the opposite, it divides us. It is divisive. And you see Christianity is judgmental. It is. You're, we all will be judged. It's not for me to judge or another Christian to us, but Christianity, who God is, is going to be we all will come before the Bama the seat of Christ. We'll all become before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will have to answer for our lives. Every single person on all eternity sent. Sit, stand, however it's going to work. I don't know if you're going to play a movie in front of you. I have no idea how how it's going to work, but you're going to have to answer for everything that you've done. And for those who are in Christ, we will have our sins ultimately forever forgiven. We know they are, but we'll have to go through that moment. Jesus will not be able to step in until you answer. What do you have to say? You ever had that moment when you've done something wrong and your parents or your teacher or your boss or your coach or somebody says, what do you have to say for that? And you have that like, like your seat's getting hot, like, ooh, like, I, I don't like this, this. I don't like this tension. And you have to fess up for whatever and say, okay, next, next Christianity, God will judge every person because this is what the statement, this is where we land on and this is the crux of the sermon right here. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. And I'm not making it up. This is what I hold to be true in the Bible. This is what I found to be true. There are many ways to Jesus, though. You can come to Jesus through a sermon. You can come to Jesus through a prayer. You can come to Jesus by hearing a worship song, by in nature, by a stranger, by Sunday school, by whatever there's many ways to actually get to Jesus, but the only way to get to heaven, to get to the Father, to get to eternal life, is through Jesus. Now, scripture records three main reasons why we come to faith. There's not going to be a screen, but there's three reasons why. Three ways. You see, we come to faith in Christ because we are divided by our human needs. We are, sorry, we're driven by our human needs. Us as humans have needs. And we cannot meet our own needs. You say, Diane, yes, I can. I can. I can meet my own needs. I have a job and I, I work hard and I, I, I can get my own needs. I may not have them right now as a kid, but at one point my parents are training me so I can go and provide for myself. Yes, but every human is in need of rescue. Every human being has ever lived and is living now and going to leave, live is in need of a rescue. We need rescue from our sin. We are driven by this need. The second one, our, we come to faith in Christ. Because he seeks us and finds us. He seeks and finds us. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Will you open? He's seeking out. Creation is calling out all the time, giving glory to God. and saying, do you see how good God is? You know, the birds are singing. The birds don't sing because of you. You didn't wake up this morning. And they're like, oh, you're awake. Trip, 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 trip. Like, no, they don't, they're not singing for you. The ocean doesn't roar for you. The stars don't twinkle for you. The leaves don't fall and change and come back and bud new life. And the bees, none of that is for us. It's for our enjoyment. But the glory goes to God and is seeking out, saying, I'm giving you every sign. Do you see me? Jesus comes and he seeks you out. And the last one, the third one, again, is not on your screen, but we come to faith in Christ because we believe his claims. And we believe his claims of the gospel are true. See, it's because of this truth, the faith in God, that is not irrational. It is not emotional. It's not philosophical. It is not to appease the masses. Our faith goes beyond reason because we are humans, are much more than reason. We're more than just reason in our head. But our faith is warranted faith because we have this firm and this clear conviction inside that is true. And we are who we think we are. And who we are, who we believe we are because of truth. Do you know that you're fearfully one you made? Do you know you're made on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose? Do you hold that to be true? We think and believing and we believe in our thinking. See, truth comes from God and is given to us. And that is where we are. And that's the crux that Jesus is saying to Pilate. I've come here for truth. Now, the question is, is what you're going to do about it? What do you do with the truth that's before you? It was great at youth group. We ended up talking about truth. We did a word association, and one of the words that you pick was truth, and they ended up picking that word, so we got to talk about it during youth group. And one of the youth leaders said is, man, you can give truth, and regardless if you believe it or not, does not mean it's not true. It's what you do with the truth. And It's heavy. We don't just conjure up truth. We don't just make up truth. Paul says this in Romans one eighteen and 19. Church, this is a warning that we should heed to this. He says for, in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unguidedness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth For what we can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for this and for his invisible attributes. Namely, the internal power and divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Do you hear the warning? We all are without excuse. Creation says there's a God. Creation says there's truth. And Paul says, those who don't accept it, suppress it. And he says, for those that suppress it, God's wrath will be upon them. I'm, I'm not, don't sign me up for God, wrath. I, I read the book. I, I've seen what wrath looks like. Don't want it. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and loving me and calling me And putting me on a path and moving me from death to life. For those who suppress the truth, those who say, I don't like that part. I don't like, I'm not going to add that as truth. God says, if you come unrepentant, you're going to have wrath when it comes to that. Paul says, don't play lightly with the truth. Don't suppress the truth. Paul is saying that God's truth is not hidden. But the truth is, is easy to see it's easy to discover and it's easy to behold from the bible from creation from other believers from those who've gone before you it's easy to see but people reject the truth what's is crazy is that is they killed truth they crucified truth see truth therefore is revealed by god to us it's not a construct or invented by us. It's not invented by people. It's not invented by communities. See, the truth of the gospel is universal no matter what country, what community, what city, or what culture someone is in. The gospel is universal. Jesus is universal. You cannot make it up. It cannot be changed. The truth never changes, church. The truth does not change. It is, the truth is invariable, which means it does not change with culture. It does not change with your preferences. It is absolute. Christian truth is also universal. It is a concept. It's without concept, without exemption. The weather may change. Times may change. Culture may change. Your school may change. How we do church may change. Your clothes may change. Your house may change. Your car may change. Your friends may change. Change will happen. What will never change is that God It's true that he will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore to the point that heaven and earth will pass away and will ever forever be the same and remain is God and his truth and his word. Church, what do you do with that truth? What do you do with Jesus? As he says, I came to testify the truth. Have you ever considered how the significance of the statement that is to us and the implications of truth in our life. See, it's not merely just a projection of knowledge. It's not merely just projection of writing. It is the unmutable, external existence and experience of God's truth. See, this is where skeptics would say, and this is where where relativists would say, I can undermine truth. And those who skeptic, those who suppress the truth, as Paul says, is like somebody sitting on a tree branch and sawing the tree branch close to the trunk as they're sitting on it. They're actually cutting truth from underneath themselves and their fate is hitting the ground to doom, to injury, to to harm, to hardship. Don't be the person who's cutting truth from under themselves. See, without truth... There is no moral compass. See, without truth, science and mathematics and music doesn't make sense. And knowledge collapses upon itself and it just becomes conjure, conjecture. Without truth, journalism and how we how we look at events and how we go back in history and record them. All of that would just be hearsay or rumor. Us as followers of Jesus Christ are unashamed to stand before the world as servants and guardians of this high value that we have on truth. And this high value we have on who Jesus is as being the truth, both for the Lord's sake, both for God's sake, both for our sake and for the sake of the world that we stand and say this is true. And I cannot say what is not true. That's like saying my name is not Dion. That would not be the truth. And saying that the Bible is not true, once I know it to be true, I cannot not say it's not true. It is the highest value to me as a believer. and It is the highest value to you as a believer to hold to truth, hold fast to truth, stand on it. See, Jesus, again, is the truth. And if you know me, if you know me anything at all when it comes to my, what I love about the Bible and what I hold so dear to my heart, you know, John chapter one is my favorite chapter in the Bible for it lays out who Jesus is. And it lays out who he is. And I'm not, it's my goal before I take my last breath here on earth to memorize the book of John. So I hope I live to be a hundred. So I have a lot of time to memorize it, but I need to get with it. You know, I, I hear, you know, I'm getting closer to 40 and I hear from 40 year olds, like it's all down here from here. Like I hear that from them. So I got to get on it. Like I got to get on it. But I'm wanting to memorize the book of John. And memorizing John chapter 1, but John 1, 12. It's not going to be on your screen, but it's in my heart that the word became flesh and the flesh dwelled among us. And we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only son who was sent from the father, full of grace and truth. And this was John's testimony when he said, the one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And grace is in a place of grace already given. See, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. This is why John 1 is my favorite chapter. It talks about God in the beginning, and it talks about who Jesus is, and that this person, this God, this who has all life within him, became flesh and dwelled among us, who walked among us. And we know this verse, what it says in John 14:6. Jesus says to. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, and no one means what? No one, no one comes to the Father except by me or through me. Church, that's the truth. John eight thirty two says, you know, and you will know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. If you know it, if you apply the truth, and I always find it ironic that Pontius Pilate asked the question of what is truth when truth and flesh was standing right in front of him. It like blows my mind, like how did you miss it? Pilate, how could you miss it? Truth is standing literally in flesh in front of you and you're looking truth in the faith and say, what is truth? How many of us do that while well, you have truth in your hand? And you have truth right in front of you and you say, Pfft, what is truth? Truth is what I make it. Truth is how I want to apply it. You say that's true. but That's not how I want to live according to it. So therefore, it's not true for me. And Paul says, when we do that, we suppress the truth and we are in danger of God's wrath. Either it's all true or it's not Church, if this is all true, I want you to go on a journey with me. I want you to go on a journey. We're going to come out of the church. We're going to make a right. We're going to get on the main road out here, 210. And then we're going to take a left onto this road called Romans. And as we go down this road called Romans Road, we're going to stop at different addresses on this road, Romans Road. And the first address we're going to stop at is at the house called the addresses 323, Romans 323. And it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is true. We all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned. We all have done wrong. We all have displeased God. We all have wronged somebody or wronged ourselves. There is no one who is innocent, no, not one. No person looks to do right beyond, for the, in the eyes of God. We want to be right in our own eyes and set our own way. It's so not going to be on your screen, but I encourage you to read John 3, eight to 10 to 18. It gives you a perfect picture of what sin looks like in our lives. So we stopped at that first house, that first address. We saw that house. It's like, oh, wow, look at that. So let's continue down this road called Romans road to this next address was so 623. Romans six twenty-three teaches us of the consequences of sin. It says the wages of sin is death. I want everybody to think of sin as cancer. All right. Remember, I said that. Remember, I said that. So the wages of cancer is death. That's we, we understand it to be true, but I'm, hold on to that. I'm going to get back to that to the, at the end. Sin is cancer. See, the punishment that we've earned because of sin is death. Not just a physical death here, but eternal death. Sin, being imperfect, cannot dwell in a perfect place. It just can't, for that perfect place will no longer be perfect. So there's a separation, and the separation means you don't get heaven. You get the opposite. That is where sin goes. See, First 1 John 1, 1.8 says this, if we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you find yourself to be in sin, you did something wrong, you did, and then you say you didn't, we well, say, so, well, the truth is not in you. What John is saying here is, like, you can't have truth and lies be in the same place. It doesn't work. They are total opposite. It's, it's water and oil. They do not mix. So either you have truth in you and lies are trying to get in and you're trying to do your best to keep lies out or lies are in you and truth is trying to get in to push the lies out. But they can't intermix. They can't walk hand in hand. That's why yin-yang is not like a, not a Christian symbol. Like, there's no good, there's no evil and good and good and evil. Like, no, they're two total polar opposites. So if you say... I don't do anything wrong. And you know you did something wrong? He says, well, truth is not in you. What will, what will prevail in your life? As we continue down this Romans road that we're on, we're going to come to this another address. It's, it's, it's a duplex. So, so Romans 6.23 is a duplex. You know, it's got two sides. One house right here is two parts of this verse. For the wages of sin is death. That's duplex A. But duplex B is but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for it says in Romans 5, 8, declares, but God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. Jesus' resurrection provo- prov- proves that God's love for us, God's acceptance for us is paid through the Jesus' payment of his death. We're learning a lot as we go down this road called Romans Road. We get to this another address as Romans, the address is 109, Romans ten nine, And it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God risen from the raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's one of the best addresses on this road. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will will be saved. See, because of Jesus' death on our behalf, we have to believe in him and confess it. And in doing that, we are saved from this cancer called sin. In the next address, a few houses down, ten thirteen says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, I don't care if you're on your deathbed and you were the worst person ever. Like, think of the worst person. If you call on the name of the Lord, say, God, take me into your arms. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I want to be in turn with, with you. You will be in heaven. Now, what's happening about everything in the past? We can talk about it in another sermon. You call on the name of the Lord. You confess that he is Lord. and You believe it in your heart. You will be saved. On this road called Romans Road is Romans 5 1. It says, therefore, since we are justified through faith, we have the peace of God through Christ Jesus. See, through Jesus we have a relationship with God, with the God of peace, the God of truth. The next address is 8 1. Romans 8 1 says, teaches us, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ. For those who are in Christ, no one condemns you. No one looks around. It's another question in the Bible where Jesus, uh, where they find the woman in adultery and they're going to stone her and he writes something in 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 the dirt and they all drop their stones and they walk away and she's still in the dirt. And I believe in my moving my head, she's still cowering, thinking rocks are going to come. And then he looks at her and says, woman, who condemns you? If you are in me, there's no condemnation. How beautiful that address is. And finally, the best at the end of the street is Romans 8, 3, 8, and 3, 9. It's a duplex as well, but y'all church hear this. It says, for I am convinced nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, no present, nor future, nor any power, nor any height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord you just walked to salvation down Roman's road because Jesus is the truth. And church, what do you do with that truth? As Pilate asked, what is truth? Because like I said, as I end, I said that sin is cancer. And if you go to the doctor and you have cancer, the doctor tells you, you have cancer. You have a pea-sized bit of cancer. You have this small-sized cancer, about that big. And he says, you know what, we can just take, we can just take this out. We can just, we take out this cancer, it'll be good. And you say, that's it? He's like, yes, this is what's making you sick. Take it out, you say, oh, I'm good. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, what are you talking about? Like, don't you know cancer grows? leave this in you it will continue to grow you're like but well, it's not going to grow that much i'm okay like I, i'm okay and you leave this cancer in your body you come back some years later and you check on it and now it's multiplied now it's to the size of this he's like look we need to get this cancer out it's it's it's, it's doing harm to you you're like oh but it has got big but look how big my body is compared to that cancer it's not that bad let's just leave it let's let's just roll the dice you come back once again and you're feeling horrible your life is in shambles. It is upside down. You feel sick. And the doctor says, there's nothing I can do to you. Your cancer is full grown. It's metastasized. That's it. And He says, if you allow me to take out that little bit of cancer, you could be living a healthy life. And far too often, we don't accept the truth that we are in need of rescue and we have sin in our life. That if we leave it unchecked, if it is not removed and dealt with, when it's sin, is full grown, it leads to death. Church, what do you do with that truth? What sin in your life needs to remove removed when Jesus says, let me come and be a rescue. Let me be the surgeon in your life. Let me walk you down Roman's road so you understand what I can do for you. If you allow me to remove the sin in your life, church, what do you do? With that truth, my prayer is that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you say, "I confess with my mouth and I believe it in my heart," and the Holy Spirit will come in and start removing cancer in your life, start taking it out, saying, "Time to remove this. Let me have it." That's my prayer for you, as church. So I'm pray a prayer prayer, and then we're going to move into a time of offering, and Jason will come back. But let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your Word, Lord. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, in the flesh. That truth became flesh and dwelled among us. And God, that there's recorded history of what this truth did. He saved the lost and he healed the sick. He made the blind see and the mute talk and the deaf hear. He made the paralyzed walk. He forgave sins. He called people to repentance. And then he gave his life for us as the perfect sacrifice, that the only thing that can cover us was the perfect shedding of his blood. That is the payment of sin. And that Jesus, thank you for choosing the cross and not backing out and, and being the man and playing the man all the way through to the cross. And not just through the cross, but defeating death. So that we can say, death has no sting on me. Death truly is the beginning of eternal life for me. God, we can say these words, to die is to gain. But God, as I'm here on earth, I will live for you. And God, I, there, I know there's people listening either right now live or watch a replay who have hearing this truth and saying, I'm ready to deal with the truth. I'm ready to understand and to f- confess. I'm in need of a rescue. I'm in need of truth in my life. I'm in need of cancer being removed from my life. Holy Spirit, come and move now in their hearts and minds. God, come and move now in their hearts and minds, and say yes. It is time to accept. And if anybody is accept to go through the ABCs, a simple prayer, but it will change your life. And it's a transaction between you and God that you accept that you are a sinner. You accept that there's a God, and you believe that there's a God, and you believe that you need rescue from your sin. That you confess your sin and confess that Jesus is Lord. You will be delivered from your sin and you will have eternal life with God. If that is you, I ask that you would pray that prayer saying, God, I believe you are real. God, I, I believe and I confess that I am a sinner. I have wronged you in so many people in so many ways. God, would you deliver me as I confess that Jesus is Lord and that you raised them from the dead. Come in my life, come in my heart. Make my ways no longer my ways. and want my ways to be your ways. God, I ask you to move. Do that in our lives, those who are believers. There are parts of our lives that we have this cancer, we have this sin, and it needs to be removed. Show us, God. Thank you for truth. We ask you to continue to move, God, as we move our hearts and minds to continuing worship and tithes and offerings. Meet with us here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So this is your opportunity as a church to continue in your worship uh, by giving your tithes and offerings. And so, since we're not here in person where you're able to give in an offering plate, um, we have made it easier, give you many ways access to be able to give your tithes and offerings. And again, I want to express that you're not giving to Dion Bolding, the pastor. You're not giving to Jason. You're not giving to First Christian. You're, you're not. You're giving through the church. You don't give to us, to the church. You give through the church. And missions and work is being done, not not just paid light bills and, and the internet bill and all that, but the kingdom work is being happening to missionaries, local and far, to help meet the needs of the needy, local and far. And so at Bowie City Church, we give 30% away. Uh, we set aside to do mission-oriented uh, things, and we operate off 70%. So if you like to... Give to Bowie City Church through the text, through texting. It's very simple. The phone number that you can text to is 301 970 4565. You just text the word give, and the instructions will tell you how you can give through text message or through this, you know, take it to a link to do that. If First Christian, you call First Christian in your home church, and you want to give through the phone, the easy mobile app um, to do it text wise, the phone number for that is 301 970 703646. Just text the word give and the instructions will come to you. Or you can go right to each church's website and there's a give uh tab. You can give that way. You can do recurring giving. You can download an app called tithe.ly T-I-T-H-E dot L Y. Look up Bowie City Church. We're the only one there. And you can set up that way. That's all the ways you can do it digitally. Or you can do old school, send a, a, a check in the mail to e- uh, each other's address, Bowie City Church or First Christian at the bottom of the website. Uh, that way as well, if you want to give, it's an extension of your worship. Okay, like, hey, church, you're not giving to us. You're giving to God, how God has blessed you. Just giving you back a portion of what he's blessed you with. We ask you to be well as you continue this series, that Jesus is the truth, or Jesus is. Next week, we're going to have uh, Charlotte Shepherd, Shep, my my homeboy, he's going to come. I can call him my homeboy. My friend, my uh, friend, He's uh, a tenderer of Blue City Church. He is going to be giving the message next week that Jesus is misunderstood. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. That is, that is a true statement right there. Jesus is misunderstood. So make sure you're tuning in for that uh, next week. We have opportunities for you to engage with us throughout the week, and we encourage you to do so. They have uh, uh, a prayer, prayer online uh, for here at First Christian Church. That happens on Tuesdays. We have women's Bible study on Wednesday nights. We have youth group for the teenagers from middle elementary school, or sorry, middle school, sorry, middle school to high school on Friday nights, and we have men's uh, get together via via Zoom on Saturday mornings. If you want to be involved in any of those, we highly encourage you to just send an email to hello at Bowie City Church, and we will get that link emailed to you. That way, you can participate throughout the week and engage throughout the week, uh, share our life with each other because we are meant to do life together. We're going to end our time together with worship, ask you to engage again as you sing this way out, uh, again, through the Turpins providing a worship song for us, and walk in truth. And ask yourself throughout this week, through this whole month, Jesus is what? You have to come to that own place in your own life. Be blessed, Bowie City Church. Be blessed, First Christian. If you need anything, reach out, and we will see you throughout the week or next Sunday. God bless.